you won two, lost one going into that game. But what, what what were you guys kind of feeling? What was the game plan? As I mean, it was an absolute sold out crowd here in the building. Obviously, I know I was here. It was an electric feeling in there. But could you guys feel that kind of coming down through the stands into the locker room? Oh yeah, we could feel it for sure. It, it was it was as fun a game as I've ever coached, especially given the result. It's prior leg, so we talked about that. You want to beat those guys any chance you get, and they want to beat us too. So it's just no love lost there. It's just the way it is. We, we played them three times in an unusual circumstance, right? Apple Valley and Burnsville merged late. So yeah, their head coach, Joe Pankratz, and I actually ran into each other at the Shakopee Jimmy John's. And, you know, we were chatting and talked about the merge and asked if he had filled his game. He said no, asked if I had filled mine, of course said no. And I'm like, well, should we do a third one? Like, well, we're not going to find a better game. That's, let's do it. Our kids will, will all love it. So... Welcome to the Sabre Hockey Show, the show all about, you guessed it, Shakopee Sabres Hockey. My name is Yuri Houston. Here with me today is my co-host and boys high school hockey head coach for Shakopee, Calvin Simon. Hey, what's up, guys? You know, thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about today's episode, Yeti. So am I, and we got a lot to cover today. We're going to discuss the season, look at how things finished up in the conference, as well as look at some things shaken up in the section playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to jump in and talk about the banquet. We'll find out who took home all conference, as well as our team awards. So let's get right into this and start talking about the conference standings from this past season. You guys finished third, tied for third place with Eastview in the South Suburban Conference this year. I believe best finish that we've had since moving up to double A in the South Suburban. That's correct. Uh, 10, 6, and 0 was the South Suburban Conference record. Full team record this year was 16, 11, no. So six more wins out of conference and five more losses. So pretty well both ways out of conference and in conference. But one of the things that stood out to me, even watching, was you guys scored 105 goals this year, which is a, definitely a save a record in one year. Maybe not full-time as single-A school when you guys are made to the state tournament, but definitely recently since we've been moved up to double-A. I mean, 3.8 goals, almost four goals a game is huge. That's a lot of goals to be scoring, especially playing in a tougher conference at least in the past years, playing tougher out-of-conference teams than we usually do. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a monumental season uh, from a conference standpoint. Our conference is tough. You know, there's obviously other good conferences out there. You know, the lake is is the lake. You know, we saw a state championship with two lake teams, so, you know, they're they're very potent. But, you know, ours is, ours is pretty darn good, too. You know, you, you mentioned the goal scoring. We had a feeling and knew that we were going to be capable of scoring. We've got yeah, two guys who are really good at it and a contingency of others who are, are getting better every day. And 
you know, I look at it and only Lakeville South outscored us. You know, they had a 128 goals on the season. We had 105 tied with Rosemount. So that's that's a big deal from a conference standpoint. You feel good about a third place finish compared to, you know, last year uh, we tripped and stumbled a little bit and, and finished sixth. And the year before that, I think we finished fourth. So we're out of the the world of expecting to finish last or second to last or even eighth place. You know, we're, we're expecting to be in the top three, which is where we finished this year and you know anything less than that feels like like a setback so those are good things right and again it's tough so you you don't always just get to be the top dog but yeah from a conference standpoint you know 10 wins it's the most we've ever had in south suburban since we've been the south suburban so you know that's huge and then just the, the history of our our conference since we joined you know some years ago i think it was you know back just around the time we went to the double a you know, we've won 26 conference games in the last three years. Um, the previous five years before that, we had only won six total, right? So things are things are moving in the right direction. Um, the conference teams know that. There's a ton of respect from all the coaches, you know, just in interactions with them. And they know that, you know, we're a team that's, you know, everyone keeps saying up and coming. And I, I think I think we're, we're you know, we're, we're pretty legit now, especially now that, you know, we won't be eighth graders and ninth graders and we'll be sophomores at the youngest, you know, maybe a freshman or two that can crack into the lineup. But I think you're going to see a lot of juniors and seniors and some sophomores, you know, leading the way um, as we move forward and transition and, and, and really work to build up the, the Bantam group. Oh, absolutely. And I think that was one of the biggest things because I think it was a couple years before I came up. Obviously, you started in the year before I came up to high school as took over as the head coach. Correct. And that was kind of the year when some of my peers decided to jump up to high school. Um, Obviously, they made the team. You thought they were good enough. And so I think that was kind of the realization for a lot. It's been kind of the trend is some and at least in here that most of the good kids at second year Bantam, you're probably going to go try out for the high school. And I think we're getting to the point where we're going to have so many good kids that are coming up and have developed that will be juniors and seniors and probably some sophomores that it's going to be harder to most kids will start staying down playing two years of Bantams and trying to develop as much so they're ready as a sophomore to come up and play high school because obviously a lot of programs you'll have maybe one or two freshmen here or there most sometimes sophomores but it's mostly juniors and seniors that you see uh, a lot of the teams that do very well so i think that we had our time of a lot of the younger guys coming up and it's worked out well for us but i think like you said it's going to start to come time here um in the next few years where it's going to be we're going to start to become one of the more powerhouse teams that you have to be the older guy with the experience yeah you might be as good but it's going to come down to being smart and playing with the puck and not just raw skill when we haven't had so much of raw skill necessarily, at least in the past. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely going to trend that way. There's so many factors to take in, you know, as you, as you look at it, I'm, I'm a geek and I got spreadsheets and I've got, you know, tabs on what's going on with obviously the high school program, but of course the Bantams and the Peewees and the squirts and, I, I try not to get too over hyper about the mites and just let them play and develop and build their passion. <laughs> um, but there's some pretty good ones down there too. So 
Yeah, I, I think the other, you know, thing that we've been really effective in, you know, working with the, the Shakopee Youth Hockey Association and the leadership there and the people that have been pouring in for years, uh, even when I wasn't involved, is, you know, getting a good junior gold program established. And, and you know, they're at the time of this recording, they're headed into a, a, a state tournament weekend. We got two teams headed there and that's that's super exciting. And I'm I'm extremely just, you know, happy that they're having that success. And so you've got those things going too. You know, what what happens over the next couple of years will be interesting of what decisions kids make because I can't force anyone to try out, right? I can encourage them to show up to the high school tryout and and bring their value there. But, you know, some guys might see it as value to, to play with the junior gold because it's not practice every day. And, and maybe they're not as passionate about the workload that comes with the high school grind. And if, you know, more older guys want to continue to try out, then, you know, we'll build more and more of an older older group at the high school level. So, but yeah, the, the big focus now I think is going to be, you know, how can we get our, our Bantam program at the, the top team, A or AA, and, and all the way down to the, to the C group to look like our Peewees did this year, right? Our Peewees had a ton of success in district six, which is no slouch, you know, maybe the, the toughest, you know, district or collection of group at, at, at a youth age group in, in the state or, or country or the world or, I don't know how to quantify that, but I know District 6 is really good. And so looking at our peewees and seeing them finish, you know, first, second, or third and in and, and, and almost any situation they were in, tournament or, or league play or, or district tournament stuff, you know, it's just, it's really exciting. So now we want to see that continue to transpire when they're, they're playing in the Bantams. And part of that is on us, you know, not, uh, you know, uh, accelerating the guy that's Bantam eligible in, into high school. You know, there's always going to be nuance and details that you got to consider with all of it too. So, and every player is a little different, but yeah, that'll, that'll be one of the major focuses this off season and, and then moving into the seasons to come. Yeah, no, I completely agree with talking about, obviously most of my brothers are older. One's junior going to be senior next year and one other one will be a sophomore. Doesn't play at Shockby right now, but it definitely as running social media as I kind of caught a little bit of some of the youth teams and we definitely got a good group of kids coming up the at least the bantams and the pee ages for sure i haven't been watching too much of the squirts or mites like you but maybe i'll get there one day um <laughs> but i think we'll kind of segue on and move into talking about the section playoffs this year i mean the section two double a that a lot of people on twitter they, they call it the section of death uh, I think you could say that for a couple of the sections, but I definitely think that with our section, you always have every year, you have normally three, four, maybe even five in a season that are top 10, top 15 teams in the state. And they're all in one section. Only one team gets to move on to the state tournament. So what are your thoughts on uh, section two double A? Yeah. <laughs> That section of death. I've uh, I haven't heard that, but I I guess it fits. Uh, it's just a tough section. It's it's really polished teams. It's it's a couple teams from from the Lake Conference. It's a couple teams with just growing areas. You know, our, the state champion you know, came out of our section this year. They ended our season in this in the semifinals in, in Minnetonka. Chanhassen was the one seed. They were really good. You know, we played them in a tough game at home this year. Uh, lost in overtime, but they're as advertised. Uh, you know, they outshot us in that game. We were just, you know, really tough in net and defensively and knew what we had to do to to play tough with them through three periods and into the extra frame. 
Chaska didn't have the season that you know most of us anticipated they would this time last year. Um, they had about six or seven guys that were high school eligible, choose to do other things. You know, a couple go to juniors, a couple go other places and whatnot. So, you know, they had a little bit of a down year, but still a really good program. And Coach Cook's going to get them back. I know that as they get their guys back into, you know, varsity experience. And uh, Eden Prairie is Eden Prairie, right? They're they're really good. They've been they've been really good. They've been winning Pee Wee and Bantam. And high school state championships, you know, over the past 10 years. And they, I think they graduate one or two kids. So, you know, they were, they were tough this year. They're going to be tough again next year. No question with a bunch of juniors and seniors. Holy family seems to reload. I mean, I can go on and on, right? Yeah. These guys are all really good. Um, and then Prior Lake is, you know, they won our section last year, um, obviously fueled by a bump and a Schumacher and a Rice and, you know, some other guys, Jackson Anderson, some good players that they had. And, you know, they were in a little bit of a reload and rebuild this year and Pinkratz will get them back too. So it's just, it's a section that if you're the one seed, you probably feel okay and pretty good about the quarterfinal game. If you're the two seed, you know you can't really take it like the one seed does. If you're the three seed, you know you're in a game. If you're a four seed, you're in probably the toughest quarterfinal game that there's going to be with the four or five. Pretty much anyone that's ranked in the top five is is has a chance to make it out because it's it's just that deep. So it's a heck of a section. It's, it's an honor to be a part of it, though, too. You know, our group does it really well. Um, you know, the section seating meeting is 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 run well, is is done, you know, in a good fashion and sets everything up. We have four refs for all of our games, quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals, of course. We host the home, the high seed hosts the home, uh, the quarterfinal game, and then everything's at Braemar, and Braemar is electric. I mean, I as much as I, you know, all, all due respect to, to the, the community of Edina, I'm, I'm a saber, so you know, he, he, enough said, right? But the 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 rink of Braemar for hosting this event is fantastic. Seating on both sides, you know, plus behind the Zam doors, it's just really intimate, and the music and the speakers are loud, and it's just it's it's intense. You know, you can the, the tension, and especially in the championship game, is is just palpable. You can feel it, and it's a heck of a section, no question. Now, now what? Would I be okay with being in an easier section to get into the dance? Yeah, of course. We talk all the time with the guys. We don't pray for easy. You know, we pray for the things that it takes. You know, we ask for the guidance, the wisdom, the strength, you know, whatever it is, the fortitude. And so we're a team that's in section 2AA. Um, and so we've got to rise up to the occasion and we've got our work cut out for us. That's for sure. Absolutely. I think we'll kind of jump in, obviously, to the first game of the playoffs for the Sabres home versus Prior Lake already seen them three times at that point in the season basically played them like two games ago mm -hmm. almost and uh, you're you got them at home for your first home playoff game in double a history what what is going on between in the coaches locker room and then before the game because Obviously, you guys have you played them three times, so you're probably pretty comfortable playing against them. So you won two, lost one going into that game. But what what, what were you guys kind of feeling? What was the game plan? As I mean, it was an absolute sold out crowd here in the building. Obviously, I know I was here. It was an electric feeling in there. But could you guys feel that kind of coming down through the stands into the locker room? Oh yeah, we could feel it for sure. It, it was it was as fun a game as I've ever coached, especially given the result. It's prior leg, so we talked about that. You want to beat those guys any chance you get, and they want to beat us too. So it's just no love lost there. It's just the way it is. 
we, we played them three times in an unusual circumstance, right? Apple Valley and Burnsville merged late. So yeah, their head coach, Joe Pankratz, and I actually ran into each other at the Shakopee Jimmy John's. And, you know, we were chatting and talked about the merge and asked if he had filled his game. He said no, asked if I had filled mine, of course said no. And I'm like, well, should we do a third one? Like, well, we're not going to find a better game. That's, let's do it. Our kids will, will all love it. So... Yeah, we we played them in in you know early January after the New Year's and um, coming off a tough loss to Hermantown, the three four off for a road trip up there, and and we played lights out at home and beat them, and then you know played them late in February and played them at their barn, and it was it was pretty packed there too for their home game, and those are both the conference tilts, so beat them there, so we went two in a row. It was the first time we won in Dakota on rink one uh, probably ever and i know that the the numbers i don't have them in front of me but they were they were bad um in terms of our experience going to dakota prior to that so that was a big monkey off our back and and felt really good and 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 we we took it to him i think we won five to one and you know a couple of our guys uh, that we needed to play big played really big in that including alexi um in that and then the final game of the regular season leading into that quarterfinal we had beat them twice it's always dangerous to play a team a third time in a season you see it all the time. Righty Dine almost just did it to, to Minnetonka after losing to them twice in the regular season and almost upset him in the championship. But we're playing them for the third time now. And this is the third time, but it's twice in one week. So we beat them at their barn 5-1 to one on a Tuesday, and then we play them at home on a Saturday. Well, they had no games after we played. So they had Wednesday, they had Thursday, they had Friday to really stew on it, to really plan for it, to prepare for it, and to come back and, you know, seek some revenge. In the meantime, we played them, right? And then we had a, a pit stop game in between, right? And I think we went, um, you know, played them and then went to play Rosemount and it was a barn burn. It was an overtime game. So we put a lot of energy into that on a Thursday and then had to quickly regroup. So yeah, then you get to finally the the big game, the the, the home you know, quarterfinal section two double A matchup and the energy is as you described, the place is packed. Uh, you can feel it. Uh, we get through the first period down one zero. And so I, I'm sure for the guys and even for some of the fans, the thought of, oh boy, here we go again. We're, we're, we're playing Prior Lake and somehow they're going to get the best of us. But that's not how I felt at all. And, and our staff didn't either. I remember, you know, after the first period, getting off the bench and, and talking to the coaches as we walked to the locker room, I was like, we just need to calm down. We are just so excited to be playing. We're so, we're so overdoing things. And if we can just slow down, which is usually not what you're telling your team, like, right? You're normally like, you guys got to play harder. You got to dig more. You got to want it. That was not the case. They were digging. They wanted it. They were just too frantic, right? So go in the locker room and it's not the time to to light them up it's not the time to get after them you know we've we've put all the work in they know what they need to do and you know we had a good game plan because when they beat us they showed us the adjustments they made right to be the team they needed to be to, to beat us so we we knew how to counter it and just kind of gave them some love and and actually made a little bit of a joke and laughed and, and got them all to smile in the locker room and i said just calm down just calm down go out there and play it's it's going to come to you right you, you, there's nothing you're doing wrong you're just too excited. So take a deep breath and go back out there. And that's, you know, that's exactly what they did. And went out there and put a couple goals in and, and took control of the game and played really good defense to support our, our our win. So it was it was a lot of fun. The boys were so juiced in the locker room after the game. And it was a nice way to end for our seniors who, you know, we had lost in our senior night in our last home game prior to that. 
um, in an overtime tilt as well. So uh, it, was, it was fun to end the season at home uh, with a W against Prior Lake in a big playoff game. Yeah, no, I was just looking at it here on my sheet in front, and you had Cooper Simpson had two out of the three goals, scored a minute 26 into the second period. So I guess your calm down talk worked. You just went out there for a shift and decided to bang one in. So then obviously knowing as a player, you get that feeling you're down by a goal and then you kind of jumpstart the next period and you kind of get it right back right away. And then the second goal by uh, Jackson Vogel didn't come until about like two minutes left in the period. So I think there was definitely being in the stands. We could kind of... After that first goal was scored, we were like, oh, it's a tie game now. Like, Mm -hmm. we've already beat them twice. It can kind of, like, all the fans just kind of had a sigh of relief because I think Prior Lake would have gotten another one. I think it would have started to go a little bit in the – in the crowd, like even you said, like after the first goal, people were like, "Oh, here we go again." But I, I, I didn't get that much feeling, at, at least from the first period. Like I, we still pretty much controlled possession, controlled the game flow. It's just they got one in. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a two on one play. That game, I remember being such a big deal. I think I went in the locker room after the second period, going into the third when we were up two to one, and just the look was completely different on the faces of the guys up two to one than down one zero. Like the energy just felt completely different in the locker room from just one period yep. difference. Even like you said, they were just so talkative and energetic that first after that first period, I came in the locker room and the guys are all up doing they're all taped they're I think they were just more nervous then kind of they were absolutely nervous energetic totally i mean i would nervous. be too if, if you had to say uh, like, i only played away in my quarterfinal games but i i think it was a big step and obviously you got you've already said it that getting the first the playoff win especially at home absolutely love it and then so i think we'll go to how you talked about braemar being at that arena and our that game was also pretty packed for the Tonka game. What was your guys' plan kind of going in? Obviously now we know Tonka won the state championship. What what are you game planning for when you have at least off the top of my head, I can probably think of six, seven, eight guys that are gonna go to juniors, play division one after high school or even next year. How do you try to combat that with such a young group? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're good. Uh, they're big, and they they beat up on everybody. You know, they took two losses on the season. Uh, Chan Hassan was able to get them. That's how they got the one seed in the section with a, a comparable record. And then, you know, Wyzetta got them once. Uh, and Wyzetta is built in a way where they've got good goaltending and, and, and confident and quality upperclassmen with a couple of young guys mixed in. I think their freshman was one of their superstars, another guy that's you know, headed up to the the NTDP, uh, you know, for the, for that opportunity. But yeah, when we when we played them, we had a game plan going in, you know, of understanding that there were things that were going to happen, whether we liked it or not, that we had to wrap our head around. I, I did a deep dive on all their games and went and looked through the stats. Of course, we watched the film and just got as comfortable as we could. We've been watching these guys all year, though. We knew one way or another we're gonna have to get through them, right? And you try not to put the cart in front of the horse, so. I'll share this too. We, when we knew the section seedings and who we were playing, and we knew we were playing Prior Lake, 
the schedules kind of got moved around because of the snowstorms, right? So Minnetonka ended up playing um, against Chaska on Tuesday, and we didn't play our quarterfinal game against Prior Lake until Thursday. So they played well in advance and had a big chunk of time to, to kind of re- regroup. And I did not watch that game. Um, and I instructed our players not to watch the game. Do not watch any Tonka. Don't don't watch it. Right now, our focus is on Prior Lake. We can't get too cute and think that we're going to play Tonka and, and, and try and get prepared for a game that we haven't earned yet. We'll figure out that after. And mind you, like I said, our staff has been watching them you know, all season. You know, my assistant coaches, Brandon Ferns, Brent Culleton, these guys are are hockey guys, you know, and they know they know everyone. Um, they go to the games all the time. Coach Ferns is 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 a hockey guy, man. He's he scouts for for a couple of uh, organizations in the North American Hockey League and United States Hockey League. So he's just by nature going to games and, and made it to a bunch of Tonka games. So we we knew a lot about their team, but the things we had to wrap our head around that we knew were going to occur just based on sheer data was they were going to have the puck more than us and they were going to outshoot us. And that it, we, we had to just wrap our head around that. Now, the good news for us is that's how we had played all year. You know, we had played where we were outshot in games and we still won. Our shooting percentage was was elite. It was 15% or higher all season. It usually results in a win. And so, you know, we knew that we weren't going to have the puck like they were going to have the puck. And so because of that, we need to wrap our head around being really good defensively. We need to wrap our head around not staring at pucks, scanning the ice as we call it when they have it. And they they'll settle for the shot outside the dots. They'll settle for the play that's not a high-scoring chance after they've worked it and, and, and cycled in the zone a little bit. We had to eliminate the rebound play. If Alexi has clear sight to the puck and he can see it and it doesn't get touched or tipped, he usually makes the save, especially from a low-danger spot. If we give him a grade A in, in the slot or you know on the back door off the pass, those are going to be you know huge saves that we're going to ask him to make. So we wanted to eliminate the backdoor plays as best we could. And we wanted to eliminate the the, the grade A shots in the slot and then the rebound chances. And that was our focus. And so, you know, for the most part, we did that. Looking back at the film, uh, you see that the three goals that we gave up were were exactly that. You know, they were off of plays where we either gave them a a high danger chance in the slot or backdoor pass. So as, as much as we were really good at taking most of those away, uh, and giving Alexi predictable plays to make saves on a couple of couple of blemishes and, and they cashed in on them going into the game that day you know we met at the rink before we got on the bus and got all our stuff loaded and you know we we kind of talked about the, the Muhammad Ali uh, Joe Frazier rumble in the jungle right the, the thrill in Manila and just how the the concept of rope dope right how these guys are gonna have the puck more these guys are going to shoot the puck more, right? So they're they're going to they're going to throw more of the punches. They're going to have more of the opportunities to hit us. We've got to be smart about knowing that, sinking in, and and not overexerting ourselves. If we've been out there for a long defensive shift, this isn't the time to necessarily go attack. You know, we need to get back into a position where we can we can defend. And then when we do get our chances to put a puck on the net or or land a punch, we've got to be real surgical and we've got to hit it. Again, you look back at the film, we had some good chances and we just didn't convert. And that's that's not how it goes, right? You know, you want more chances so you can convert, especially in a big pressure game like that. But we just weren't going to get them. We knew that. And you look at the data, like I said, they played really good teams. The game, they obviously played Min- or Minnetonka played Edina in the championship. But in their regular season against Edina, you know, they, they outshot those guys 44 to 19. 
right? And this is a Kritaina team. So they're doing that to them, plus everyone else they played. It's, you know, 40 to 18, Chaska. It was, have the numbers here, 54 to Saint, uh, fifty-four to 14 against St. Michael Albertville. They all shot EP 32 to 8. I mean, they 32 to 8. So they had uh, shots were 11 to 7 after the first period with Minnetonka EP. Then it was 2 to 1. Minnetonka had two shots. Eden Prairie had one shot in the second period. This is a regular season game, right? And then the third period, Tonka took over and had 19 shots to EP zero. But despite all that, the score was Minnetonka four, Eden Prairie three. So this was all evidence to me that like we can get out shot and we can still have a chance at this game. And so had we scored one early rather than late, I think it maybe changes things. But yeah, that was that was mostly the the, the mentality going into it. And you know, we fell fell a few goals short of of executing, but it was still a, a heck of a step forward for for our group. You know, a program builder to play in that game. And now we've got new expectations. We expect to play in a in a section semifinals. We're trying to unlock a new achievement to play in a section championship and 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 compete for a chance to play in the state tournament. Yeah, no, and I was just looking at the stats from that and shots, like you said, getting outshot 62 to 17. Obviously, they had a lot of similar scores. I don't know if they had an, like 60, but they, they outshot their opponents by a lot. But outshot by almost four over 40 uh, shots was definitely a struggle. And I think that you, you can only give good – I mean – only giving up three goals on 62 shots and also having three power plays at Tonka did that it's very impressive. It was a three to one game. Obviously, like you said, Eden Prairie had like what, 12 shots or something like that total. And they scored three goals. Obviously you had one goal on 17 shots and that came really late in the third period. And you're already down three zero, but uh, Eden Prairie had eight shots. They scored three goals on eight shots. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's impressive to me. I only, I only correct it because it's just, it, it is pretty potent. And and yeah, we we gave up a ton of shots. Yeah. The things that I'm I'm proud of from that experience, and this takes nothing against away from Minnetonka, right? The state champs and, and they accomplished the goal of winning the game. You know, they had all those shots in the first period after 20 shots on net. We only had one blemish, right? And then the second period, which is where they eat, which is where they do the best, we had we had two kind of malfunctions and gave up goals. Third period, again, they had 21 shots and we didn't give up any blemishes. We didn't give up any goals, right? And and if there's a consolation prize for our group and something to build on, we all we all scored them in the third period. So you, you feel good about that, but mostly I feel good that they had three power plays and they're an elite team. And you know anyone that was there, oftentimes it looked like a power play for them when it was five on five. But they went 0 for 3 on the power play. So we we played a defensive-minded game. We just didn't hit our shots and get our opportunities. And again, we would have had to do it you know, early and then try and hold on. And, and the longer the game goes on, the better they get. So you know, it, it's, it's tough to come back when you're down with them. Yeah, they're always a tough team to play. Tonka, every, every season, obviously they just won the championship this year. But now to go to some recent news, I'm really excited to go over the all-conference players and the team awards. Normally, you don't see as many all-conference players that you guys got this year. You got three all-conference and three honorable mentions, which is really exciting. Uh, the all-conference players, you had Cooper Simpson, 
Jackson Vogel and Carson Steinhoff. Do you want to talk about any of those three guys uh, and what they did this season that was special to go all conference and that the conference coaches really decided that those guys should be on the team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like we talked about earlier about the conference. It's a tough conference. And so the way we do the process, I think, is is really neat. You know, you have one one player for each team is an automatic all conference. So you as a coach, you just select one player. And then everyone else that you think should earn or, or should be considered for all conference gets put into an at-large pool. And then as coaches, we we fill out a ballot and and, and vote for everyone. So, you know, when you have one, um, that's expected and that comes from your coach. When you have two, um, that means the coaches in the conference saw some value in another player and and, and put them on their ballot. When you have three, uh, that means you had, you had a couple of players. And, and quite frankly, I think that we had – couple more guys that deserved all conference as well it's just another testament to how good the conference is and there were a lot of really good names and I remember getting to the end of my ballot and like well who else I I only have two spots left and I got four guys I want to put on there because of the way that they performed this season so but yeah you you know having three this year is 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 huge Cooper let our team in goals let our team in, in points he had a fantastic season. You know, he's two years in now. He played as a freshman, just finished his sophomore campaign, and has already accumulated over 100 points in his career. So he's he's pretty much a no-brainer for for an all-conference team and, you know, looks poised to be a player to do, you know, a lot of damage as long as he chooses to play high school hockey throughout his eligibility. Um, obviously, you know, just a sharpshooter uh, and, a, and a real asset to our team. Jackson Vogel. He's been the guy doing a lot, a lot of the heavy lifting for us the last couple of years, even before Cooper. But since him and Cooper have teamed up, um, been line mates. You know, their their chemistry is undeniable. They're 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 two two gunslingers, and they they give us a chance to outscore anybody, especially if we play good team defense and have good goaltending. And so, you know, Jackson led our team in points the last two seasons. Cooper Cooper ended up leading the way this year, but they're both trending up and up last year they had you know 39 and 40 points this year they have 50 some 60 points um, and so it's it's a testament to the chemistry they have and then third you know Carson uh, Carson Steinhoff is our our every situation defenseman uh, power play penalty kill course five on five he, he led our team in minutes uh, and time on ice last season as an eighth grader he did it again this year as a freshman He's just he's just that guy for us, and he's just really smart. The biggest thing I talk about with him, it's his it's his panic threshold. It's the way that he maneuvers through situations when the pressure is really on, whether it's a big game or it's a tight moment or it's a breakout pass that we absolutely have to have, right? Or it's a scoring situation and we're we're tied or we're down and we need to tie it up. It's usually him. We want to have the puck on his stick to make the decision on where it goes and get it to Vogel. Is it get it to Simpson? Is it shoot it so those guys and others can crash? Just does a really good job of those things. So I think the the conference recognized those guys. They've seen it and proud of them uh, for, for their accomplishments this season. All three of those guys, great players, obviously. Everybody knows they're kind of more household names here in Shockby, but you also had three honorable mentions this year with Alexi Hewson, Linus Toward, and Nate Pedersen. Do you want to go in depth with any of those three guys of what they met for the team this year as they didn't get all conference, but the, the conference and the coaches still recognize those guys as those guys are big players. Yeah, no question. You know, and I think I think you can make an argument for all three of them to be, you know, full fledged all conference guys, particularly Alexi um, and what he did and meant for our team, you know, this season. Uh, Linus Towards kind of in that same boat too. You know, he was the center between 
Cooper Simpson and Jackson Vogel. So, I mean, you know, Yeti, you've, you've played with those guys. That's no small task. Of course, you get to play in the fun zone and be in the offensive end and usually collect some extra points in the form of apples or tap-ins on the back door. But they're pretty feisty boys at times, you know, and they uh, – you know, sometimes can be a lot to handle. So uh, Linus was the man for that job, of course. Oh, no. I, I, I had to task Linus with some uh, – I gave him some pointers. Obviously, he saw my senior year of how I tried to handle those guys being on that line. But li- I think Linus did a really good job. And then he, he got more points than I did. So pro- props to Linus sure. with keep, keeping those guys uh, and just keeping those, that engine running there. Yeah, well – and, you know, Linus is a, a multi-sport athlete. He's a natural goal scorer. You know, he, he – he tucks a bunch of lacrosse goals in every season, and I'm sure he's poised to do that as a senior this year and and help take those guys to state uh, the state tournament this year. And but yeah, both those two I think could you know be all conference guys. Um, I'm happy to have them on the honorable mention list nonetheless. And then Nate Pedersen as a freshman, it's a big deal. You know the coaches had a lot of complimentative things to say. Even one pulled me aside to talk about him and how impressed they were. So. You know, I think you know him being on this list is a testament to the hard work. He's a kid that outworks people. He's super smart. Um, he's undersized, of course, but he plays like he's eight feet tall. He's not afraid of anyone. He's a guy that loves to work out and train. You know, he's waking up in the morning and, and doing extra workouts before school and doing his meditation and breathing and doing the little things that that obviously add up and, and accumulate into success at the high school level. You know, at the freshman age, he's he's working his tail off at practice. He's one of the last guys off the ice always just trying to get a couple extra seconds with the puck or rip around and do things so yeah it's a collection of six guys that were pretty important uh, to the team that that doesn't take anything away from the rest of the group there's a lot of guys that you know you could still throw in here but only so many get get recognized absolutely and I think for Nate too like even in warm-ups during games he's out there one of the last guys off you refs will take the nets off and he's over there stick handling the puck wheeling the whole zone and just he's always touching the puck and just does not want to be off the ice. He, he wants to be on there as long as possible. So that's that's even a thing that I noticed watching a lot of the games this season. He's always been that way. And he's he's got this thing. He's got to be the last guy to put the puck in the bucket. And he's got to be the last guy to be off the ice. And he's got he's got all these superstitions that, <laughs> you know, it's it's a part of sports culture and particularly in, in hockey and in other sports, baseball and whatnot. But yeah, he's uh, he's got a couple quirks like that. Oh, I'd love to see it. It's awesome. My thing was always being the first guy. I always wanted to be the first guy off the ice. Sure. Uh, after warm-ups, but no, a lot of teams, you always have one of those guys that always wants to be the last guy. So so I think we'll move into the team awards for this year that we're handing out at the banquet. Start with the Lingering Award. The Lingering Award was the player that was the most improved person who dedicates himself to improvement both on and off the ice and always gives his best for the teammates in the program. The guys that were finalists for this award were Jacob Lee, Jack Kulchkin, Jake Marshall, Ben Turcott, Lucas Larson, and Zach Docteur. And this year, Lucas Larson won the award. You want to talk a little bit about Larson? Yeah, of course. I'll talk about Larson. I'll talk about the, the, the finalists in general, too. You know, it's a, it's a collection of guys that really had noticeable improvements you know, again, I think all of our guys generally got better and put the work in and, you know, you saw growth and, and development from them. But this group of guys mentioned that that made it into the finalist list, you know, it was just really noticeable and how they started, the roles they had, the impact they were making on the team versus where they were at the end. You know, Lucas, as a senior, 
has really been a yes coach guy. Whatever the thing you ask, whatever that is uh, that you expect, uh, yes coach, yes coach. There's never a, oh coach, I don't want to do that. Or coach, can I please not? He's just not that kind of guy. He doesn't negotiate that way. Point, you know, in the off season, we had him testing out forward. Let's let's see if we can get you going north, south, and play some forward. You know, as things went on, we, we didn't like that. Plus we didn't like, you know, the, the, in, the assurance that we wouldn't get with him playing D, you know, we know what he can bring there. And so we ended up obviously pivoting him back to D his role early in the season started slow you know he didn't get the same minutes he got towards the end um, I remember a, a, a coach player meeting where he asked hey just want to better understand my role I'm not I'm not here to complain about minutes I of course want as many as I possibly can like every other guy here I want to better understand my role and, and we were honest and said hey we're still working through it we, we want to get there's new guys to the team we know you bring certain things we're finally trying to find the best way to use it and he just like I said yes coach was his answer and he did a really good job of that and by the end of the year we were playing him every other shift and we were playing him penalty kill we, we he played a bunch of the power play he was just a, a vastly improved player and a lot of it stemmed from his attitude yeah, and the thing that I noticed too, as you said, he bounced a little bit between forward and defense, but obviously defense, he brings that hard knock, doesn't let guys in front of the net. He's a, more of a bigger hitter in the defensive zone, but the biggest thing that I noticed from him was his power play. I think all of his goals came on the power play this season, but he has that slap shot that was just so deadly because so many teams were worried about Jackson. They worried about Cooper, even Linus in front of the net that you had Steinhoff, whoever's at the point with him, and he was on the wing. He could put those shots on net, and a lot of teams weren't necessarily as worried about him, but he became started to become a threat, and pe teams started to notice that towards the end of the season. So they're like, we can't let this guy's shots get through, and he's not a guy that even in practice I wanted to block shots from when he, he's shooting. So definitely a testament to Lucas and some of the improvements. I, I think he was a big power play contributor this year, whether he was on it all at the beginning or the end of the season. He was one of the guys that I noticed from up in the stands that I really could tell that he got better no matter which situation that he was being put in and by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's definitely got the hardest shot uh, on the team uh, and one of the hardest I've ever seen. Brother uh, Doug had, had a really hard shot too, so I think it's in the Larson family. Credit to Sean. But yeah, you know, he's, he's, his shot's so hard in the pre early season, in the preseason, he put a puck into the into the glove, into the hand of Cooper Seegert and, and fractured it. So this is what happens when, when he lets the puck fly. I'd always tell him, hey, your shot is hard enough without you trying. Uh, just make <laughs> sure you hit your mark. Just focus on the accuracy and you're going to get the result. And you could see in those power plays, he really started to just you know hone in on trying to hit his mark and his velocity was playing. Yeah, I don't think a lot of... Uh coaches normally tell guys to take stuff off the puck so I think I wish I could have that coach coming yeah your shot's just a, too hard maybe just take a little maybe focus on some other thing you know yeah. I, I wish I had I think all players wish they had that problem no question uh, so we'll move on to the Lambrick award the Lambrick award was the player who's considered the hardest worker player who practices and plays the game hockey the most consistent level of intensity and hustle I think you could say this about almost any guy on every team, but there's always those few guys that stand out that you want on your team, whether it's a game or a practice. These are the guys who just do not stop, and they play every practice or every game like it's their last. And so the finalists were Jackson Vogel, Ben Turcott, Alexi Hewson, Linus Toward, and Carson Steinhoff. And Alexi Hewson took this award this year. Yeah, it was... Uh Again, a really great field. Uh, 
our team in general works really hard in practice. I'm proud of us for that. We talk about uh, bringing grit and edge and spice and, and, you know, not taking things personally and going through a practice where we push on it. We tried to make our practice simulations tougher than the games we, we go into. And so, you know, this group of guys in the finalists, they just, they were very noticeable in that and they embraced it and they enjoyed it. You know, last year this award was won by Carson Steinhoff, and he does. He works his tail off, and he was he was again a finalist and and a close uh, person to to be awarded it. But what separated Alexi um, in in winning this is a he had a tough workload um, throughout the games. Right, he never comes off the ice. He's out there the whole time. He you know would take on a lot of shots. You know, we we talked about it earlier, but we get outshot often, and we understood that was going to happen. He'd take on forty. 50 shots in a game have you know that happened on a Tuesday we'd have a practice on a Wednesday before another Thursday big game and tell him hey you had a long day yesterday you know a long night let's just make sure you're managing your workload I've got an extra goalie out here so we'll sometimes bring a third goalie out and say hey you know just only take what you need like don't push yourself beyond you're gonna have another tough day tomorrow and I'd have to go tell him to get out of the net like, hey, you've been in the net the entire practice. Can you get out of the net? And he's like, I just, I, I, I want a couple more. I just want to feel it. I'm like, you, you felt it all last night. You're going to feel it tomorrow. Like, so he was just that way and just constantly pushing himself and wanting more. And, you know, to, to the point that we had to kind of give him some managed rest, you know, not just physically, but also mentally. We, the opportunity we put Fearson in to start, you know, there were a couple of times we got Fearson in in relief, but when we got him to start was, uh, and Alexi, you're not even, you're not even dressing. I'm not even gonna have you like thinking that you're. I want you to go into this and take a day off because you won't allow yourself to. So he just worked. He works really hard. I know he works hard as a student and and just at you know being a good man in general. So it was it was a tough field, but well deserved by Alexi this season. No, absolutely. And we'll go on to the Kreiser Award. This was presented to the player who is considered the best leader on the team. The player exemplifies the most leadership both on and off the ice and a person just mainly respected by the community for his character, whether it's at school, whether it's on another sport, at home, all of that. So you had Sam Zovic, Zane Orchard, Linus Toward, Carson Steinhoff, and Jake Marshall, and Sam Zovic won this award this year. You want to talk a little bit about Sam's leadership on the team, whether it's been in the offseason or on the team this year for Sam. Yeah, for sure. Well, Sam is a great human being. Sam is a friend to everybody. Sam will give you the the shirt or jersey office back. He's a, a lead from the front and lead by example guy. He's the guy before a period starts. Um, he's you know gathering the group and and saying the words of encouragement. He gets everybody hyped. There are a couple of times he's he's you know saying the stuff he's saying, and I'm just I'm bobbing my head like. <laughs> Let's go, Sam. You know, and, and it's funny because early, earlier when he first started doing that, you know, a bit last year and this year, it was the kids would would the boys would tease him and say this is like a kids' bop, you know, war, or, or chant, you know. So they, he just was kind of very, very PG about it. I'm not encouraging profanity, but okay, guys, let's go out there and let's play tough and let's have fun, you know. And it was like that wasn't inspiring, Sam. <laughs> and then by the end, it was like we're all ready to run through a brick wall, you know, for him. And he did just did a really good job of that, but. 
it's, it's just the, the little things too. You know, he was third line center for us and, you know, he was in that role last year. And, you know, as we tried to figure out what's our optimal lineup and where do guys play best, there were times where he kind of slid into more of a fourth line role for a handful of games and he never once complained. He never once was poor me or I need more ice time or this is my senior year and this is what you're doing to me. You know, he just, okay, that's where I'm at. And, you know, there were a couple of games where he really just played penalty kill. You know, he does a great job of that and really knows how to sacrifice and play the team game. But as push came to shove and things, you know, manifested, he was reinserted into his, his role as a third line center and, and carried us through in the final stretch of the season and into playoffs. And I, I remember vividly, a meeting. Um, he had asked, "Hey, can I meet with the coaches after practice today?" I said, "Absolutely." In my my head, I was thinking, you know, he's probably just a little frustrated that he's not getting maybe a little bit more minutes, or maybe wants to play with you know a certain player, or you know has some sort of request, right? And so, not the case at all. It was all about you know what his things he had to take care of before a section game and how it might impact the schedule and and then just you know again reiterate how much fun he's having and how, how much he pre appreciates the team and feels valued so he's just a fantastic leader and, and one that i hope our guys appreciate and understood you know what he was doing when he was you know there and, and demoing what leadership looks like and all that that's obviously every team needs good leaders you had a lot of good leaders from the senior group you had other guys with Linus and Zane and uh, the captains, even Jackson and some of those guys who were, depending on all the roles, all of those guys just put their head down. They were doing the work no matter what they were doing. So I, I think Sam was well-deserved for that award. Uh, but we'll move on to the Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, this award was the best offensive player on the team, not only who scores goals, but also creates scoring chances for his teammates. Jackson Vogel, Cooper Simpson, Linus Toward, Nate Pedersen, Cooper Siegert, and Carson Steinhoff. And Cooper Simpson took this award. I, I think most of us could have guessed this one. But do you want to touch on a little bit about Cooper on his Offensive Player of the Year award? Yeah, a lot of our, if not all of our offense runs through Cooper in some form or fashion. Of course, you know, Vogel knows how to put a puck away on his own as well. This is, you know, this is what Cooper does best. He's, he's uh, you know, one of uh, the best players in high school hockey in the offensive zone. He's one of the best players with the puck on his stick. Um, he's got one of the best shots uh, at the high school level. Of course, he's only a sophomore, but um, that doesn't matter. I would say even, you know, as far as just as a 2007 birth here, because that's how hockey operates, right? He's, again, one of, if not the best with the puck on his stick. You know, when he has it and he's shooting it or he's passing it or he's protecting it, um, it's usually his puck until he's done with it. And so offensively, it, it was a good field of guys. Again, like I mentioned Vogue's earlier, you know, Toward was a menace, Pedersen's future and, and what he did this year and him and Seeger as freshmen and, and paired together on a line. And then even Carson as a defenseman, again, another you know, 20 assist season and it helps us produce offense all the time, whether it's through the breakout process, whether it's through the, you know, lead man passes or the, or the breakaway passes that he gives to, to Vogel and, and, and of course, Simpson. All those guys were good finalists for this, but this is this was Cooper Simpson's award this year for sure. No, and you love to see, even just reading off the name of those finalists for that award, like you could consider that as any of those guys. And I know some of those guys are younger, some seniors that will be graduating. So it's good to see that you have a mix of seniors and young guys, a talent that's coming through. And it's just good to see because you know with Cooper and Nate and also Siegert uh, and Steinhoff that the offense is not going 
anywhere with guys graduating. So it, it's going to be fun to see how the offense and the goal scoring keeps up you now for, for the years to come. But we'll go on to the defensive player of the year, player who considered the best defensive player on the team, player who takes pride in defending our net against all attacks. The finalists were Carson Steinhoff, Jack Kolchkin, Lucas Larson, Ben Turcott, and Alexi Houston. And Alexi Houston took this award as the goaltender. What do you want to say about that? As as I've said and seem probably repetitive, that the you know list of finalists is a bunch of guys that really do you know as the description says care about protecting the net and four of the f- five finalists are are actually defensemen right. There's a couple of forwards that that care about it a ton too with the way they block shots and the way they back check. Only so many guys get selected as finalists, and then the fifth guy, the guy that gets the award, Alexi Houston. Again, he doesn't come off the ice. He he is the final, you know, resort to prevent preventing a puck from going in the net. Uh, he bailed us out a lot. We we talk about the routine saves or the predictable saves, but you got to make them. And then there's so many that he made that you're like, he stopped that. How? Like he stopped that. How? How did he make that play? You know. And so at this point, I'm I've grown you know, accustomed to it. I'm like, yeah, he, he better have, right? It's like, <laughs> that's not always the way that it goes. But yeah, he's just, he's a great defensive player, of course. You know, don't expect him to score. So, um, but do expect him to play really good in the net. And he's well, done that for and us. And it's always good to see that normally you have all your defensemen listed as a defensive player. But when you have a goaltender that, can make those spectacular and save games and save moments. That's the biggest thing because your defense might get caught on a bad line change or something happens in the ozone where team gets a break. And I, I remember countless times where Alexi had breakaways on him or it was a crazy backdoor save or the, I remember in particular the save against Rosemont, the two on one where he dove across stick save, uh, just unreal. Save. It, it's those are the things that, you get from elite level goaltending and obviously there's a lot of great goaltenders across the state but I, I think you could make the case that Alexi is one of the best goaltenders in the state at least th- for the year that he had this year yeah no uh, question no question and the save with the stick at Rosemont was fantastic of course uh, our, our goalie coach uh, coach Holmberg would say you know a whole bunch of things about why he shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place and how he should have moved and whatnot but the reality is he was there he stuck his paddle out at what was a wide open net for the shooter and was able to stop it so it's just again that's those are those how did he do that yeah and so no we'll move on to the mvp uh, mvp is considered the most valuable player player that's dynamic on the ice and someone that the team simply could not do without Cooper Simpson, Jackson Vogel, Alexi Houston, Carson Steinhoff, and Linus Toward. And Jackson Vogel took this award for, the, I believe, the third consecutive year, if you want to just touch on Jackson a little bit. Yeah. And before I do, again, this field is, this is one of the toughest awards to give out this year. It's been relatively straightforward the last few years. You know, I think it came down to, to Vogel and Simpson last year as they were one point apart. But I think Vogel's ended up edging them by a point and, and, and led the way in assists and the guys here that are listed, Houston, we just talked about him. Steinhoff, we've talked about him a bunch already. Um, we really learned the value of his game, you know, with him being out you know, for the couple that he was injured, um, what it means for our team. And, and Toward is just a do it all things. You know, he's a power play, he's a penalty kill, he's in everything. But Vogel is is that guy, right? He's He's got the legs and, and edges to skate with anybody. He plays 
hard forechecking game, gets in there, throws the body around, you know, creates separation, gets the D to be a little bit more timid when they're going to retrieve pucks because he plays that way. He's obviously lethal with it on his stick, shooting it, uh, breakaways, or even passing it. But he back checks, you know, and this has been the biggest evolution of his game. Why I'm so bullish on him being a, a great junior in, in college and, and, and potentially professional player if he if he stays at it, is he just he plays a 200 foot game going towards their net and then coming back towards ours. And players that do that, you know, they're just they're really, really valuable. Right. And so this one, it, it came down to inches, if you will, but Vogel edges it out and gets it for the third year. And he's been that guy for us and, and, and goes out in the senior year with a bang. And I've played, uh, I played on Vogel's line for two years, watching this season and how his game has transpired. He was more of a Cooper, his sophomore or his freshman and sophomore year, and then into his junior year. But this year, I feel like he took the biggest leap in his 200-foot game. I remember countless plays. I can still even replay them in my head of him breaking up back. It was a two-on-one coming on on the net, and he would come pick up the far guy and break up the whole play when he was at the goal line just five seconds ago. So he's, his 200-foot game has completely evolved, and he's one of those guys that will finish the checks even though he's an offensive player. He will block the shots, and he has the scoring capability that we've talked about. So I completely agree that Jackson completely deserved that award. So we'll move on to the last award, which was the Holt Bennington Award, and this one chosen by the coaching staff, uh, presented a player who truly understands a positive attitude and hard work can overcome any obstacle in life. Finalists were Zane Orchard, Ben Turcott, Linus Toward, Sam Zovic, and Lucas Larson. And Sam Zovic took his second award from the banquet. What do you want to touch on Sam here? Yeah, again, it comes back to just who Sam is as a person, how he conducts himself in, in all the situations when things are going his way and aren't going his way. It, it doesn't take away from the other finalists. They're cut from the same cloth, right? So this award easily could have been handed to Zane Orchard, right? He's he's special in all those same ways and is a selfless leader. And I'm very bullish on who he's going to be, you know, as a man moving forward. Ben Turcott, all the same things. Ditto, right? Just a good dude. Linus, we've talked about him a lot. He's the guy that when he goes out on the ice, he's a warrior. That's what the, the, the fans see. He's he's a menace. He's tough. He's gritty. Obviously, he plays with two high-end players and and. and plays in the offensive zone and, and competes hard and, and scores and assists, but he also plays tough in the D zone. But he's also the guy that after the game, right, when the when the armor is off and he's back into his street clothes, giant smile on his face, right? He's a, he's a real happy guy in that regard. And so, you know, very fitting for an award like this. And Lucas Larson, same. He's, he's a menace on the ice. He's tough. He's, he's strong. He's thick. He's hard to move around. But off the ice, he's got a ton of personality and he's is, is a good dude. But it's, it, was, it was Zovic's award just because, again, by inches, he just edged out the, the competition and, um, you know, kind of earned it from the coaches. No, I completely agree. Those are all great guys, great finalists for that award. I completely agree with you guys. Sam was the right choice for that. But I think I think it was this was great. Yeah. So is this it? This is our first episode. We we did it. Yeah, so we just want to thank everybody. Uh if you made it this far in the episode, we'd like to thank you all for listening all the way to the end. What do we got in store for the next episode, Kelvin? 
Uh, well, well, next episode's we got an interview. We'll be sitting down with uh, Cooper Simpson, uh, who obviously led the team in, in goals and and points this season, and you know just uh, will be will be giving us an update on his experience at the NTDP evaluation camp and a little bit of uh, just you know his perspective on on this his sophomore campaign and, and the team season. Yeah, so we hope everyone enjoyed this first episode. If you want to please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And make sure you guys follow the Sabre Hockey Show so you don't miss any of the new shows that we upload every other Tuesday. Thank you.